0: Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's young adult ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Verse 10 The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, You are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because uh, the Lord has listened to your affliction, and he shall be a wild donkey of a man. And his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So God basically says, Look, go back to those who mistreated you. I know you don't want to. I know it's the farthest thing from what you desire to do, but go back and I will will protect you. I will take care of you and I will bless you. In fact, God promises to bless Hagar with the same blessing as Abram. Do you notice that? I'll make you a great nation. I will will make your son into this amazing nation. And a lot of scholars believe that Ishmael was actually the one who fathered many of the Arab nations. But another thing that shows me about our difficulties and our seasons of suffering is that that they are never wasted. Our suffering is never wasted in God. I I preface that by saying, in God, in Christ, your sufferings are never wasted. If you're not in Christ, tragically, everything is wasted. Your sufferings, your pleasures, your accomplishments, the ups and downs of life are a complete waste if you don't have Jesus in your life. It results in spiritual death and eternal condemnation. So I have to preface it by saying, if you know God, if you suffer in God, it's never, ever a waste. Now, it's also not always pleasing or pleasurable or easy or convenient, but take heart because it's also never wasted. God never wastes our experiences, especially our suffering. So God uses this tragic event for Hagar to be the source of probably the greatest blessing in her life. He turns this around, right? Romans eight twenty eight. He works all things to the good of those who love Him, are the, who are the called according to His purpose. Verse 13, She called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are God, the God of seeing, or a God of seeing. For she said, I truly hear, I have seen Him. Now when it says I've seen Him, it, it's the word for seeing the back of. The Bible says no one can see God and live. So he, she didn't interact with the glory of God face to face. But similar to Moses saw the back of the glory. That's what this text is saying. I saw him, the trail of God. And I saw him who looks after me, she says in verse 14. Therefore, the well was called Bir Lahe Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. Another fact about your suffering and my suffering, as we learned from Hagar, is that God sees you while you're in the midst of it. It doesn't always feel that way, does it? But God see, He doesn't turn a blind eye to your difficulties. God does not look away on your suffering. He sees you. And this is something that we need to remember. We need to commit to memory even before the dark days of grief come our way. The dark days of pain or sorrow come our way because this can make the difference between defeat or perseverance. Knowing that God is with you, that God sees the pain you're in and he cares. It made the difference for Hagar and it will make the difference for you and for me. And as she, con- she conversed, she walked away from this conversation with the living God, the God of the universe. And you know what she was psyched about? She wasn't as psyched about the promises necessarily as much as she was psyched about the fact that God actually saw her and he cared. He cared to walk away, just to, be, just to have it confirmed in her heart that God sees her, that the God of all creation, her maker, actually sees her, sees the pain she's feeling, and He truly does care. But man, when you're going through a difficult time, guess who else shows up? The enemy. He loves to show up, and He loves to tell you things like, see, God doesn't care about you. God does not see you. And if He, did, if he does, He's probably pleased with this. He doesn't love you. He's against you. And of course, like everything else the enemy tells us, it's a lie. God does see us. In fact, the Bible tells us that God actually experiences the same grief that we feel. Do you realize, I don't know if any of you guys have gone through traumatic, most everybody has, some kind of traumatic event, but then you always have people who come up and they say, I understand how you're feeling. And a part of you, and they might even understand somewhat. They might have lost a loved one or experienced some kind of trauma like you did. But it's not exactly like you did. Nobody really understands exactly how you feel because nobody had the same relationship dynamic with your loved one that passed away as you did. No one exactly was put in an abusive situation quite like you were. So nobody knows exactly except the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that on the cross, Jesus bore our our shame, our grief. He carried our sorrows. He experienced willingly everything that you've suffered through sin by the hand of someone else, by your own consequences. Jesus personally experienced it, guys. So take heart when you're suffered. Know that God sees, God knows. God truly does care as He did for Hagar. Verse 15 it says, And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So Abram and Sarai, they, they show us what happens in this text when we strive rather than trust the Lord. And so as I close out this message, I want to end by giving you guys three takeaways, three Lessons we learn from Abram and Sarai in this chapter. You see, when we strive rather than trust, we make hasty decisions and get ahead of God. Don't we? Strife, it gives you this angst, and you want, you want to get out there, and you want to get things done, and you want to see progress, and you end up making hasty decisions and getting ahead of God's timing for your life. But I want you to know, guys, we cannot obtain what God desires for us sooner than He desires it for us. In fact, listen to this, guys. The when of God's promise is just as important as the what. It's just as significant. You cannot cannot enjoy the what of God's promises apart from the when. Proverbs 20, verse 21 tells us that an inheritance gained hastily will not be honored in the end. It's not honored. It's not blessed. And when we get ahead of God, we may make things happen, but we end up receiving half-baked promises and we gain something that we're not even prepared for. As I said before, God doesn't waste your experiences. He doesn't waste the days of waiting either. He's preparing you for the promise He has for you in the future. In fact, remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan in three different areas they were all things that God the Father already intended Jesus to experience they were just ahead of schedule and that was why they were tempting that was why they were they they would have been sin here use your miraculous abilities as the son of God to make bread well he would only do that maybe a few months later and feed 5,000 people for the glory of God though let let your life be supernaturally protected as you throw yourself off the temple. No, it was it was ahead of schedule. His life would be supernaturally protected numerous times throughout his ministry, and then he would rise from the dead. I bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Throughout all of history, God already had that in store for Jesus, but it was ahead of schedule. That was the temptation. Striving fosters this hastiness. It, fo- it fosters hasty decisions while faith, on the other hand, fosters patience. The second takeaway here is that when we, st- when we strive rather than trust, we sacrifice foundational values for superficial, superficial results. I'll say that again. We sacrifice foundational core values in order to see superficial results. I don't know why I can't say that. I even repeated it to see if I could have a second go at it, and I still messed it up. But what we see in this chapter, guys, is a husband's faithfulness is gone, a wife's love and accountability, a boss's integrity, a mistress's respectability, a young girl's purity, all sacrificed to meet some superficial goal, some external goal. And that's what striving causes us to do. I need to see this happen in my life. I need to see this number in my bank account. I need to see this uh, result in this relationship. I need to see something superficial, and therefore I'll do anything to get there. And we end up compromising character. But know this, guys God will never call us to sacrifice our character in order to receive his promise. This is not going to happen. God will not call you to do something unchristlike to obtain what he has for you in life. This is not going to happen. You'll only go backwards. Striving fosters compromise while faith fosters integrity. And then the third thing is that when we strive rather than trust, we put ourselves first and hurt those around us. Strife causes you to put yourself number one. When you strive and you're taking matters into your own hands, it gives you that desire to claw your way to the front of the line and get things done. And more often than not, it's at the expense of other people. Sarai put herself first and allowed her husband to be tempted sexually. Abram put himself first and took opportunity to gratify the lust of the flesh rather than to assure his wife. Both of them put themselves before Hagar and made her a pawn in their scheme in which she suffered lifelong consequences. But you need to understand, and and this is a word of wisdom that was shared with me years ago, and I, I recommend you commit this to memory or write it down, but God is more concerned with the way you treat others than He is with anything you accomplish. God is more concerned with how you treat the people around you than he is with what you achieve in life. Do you understand that? Striving fosters selfishness while faith fosters love. True faith will foster love in your life. Now in closing, guys, this chapter highlights the failure of yet another hero of the faith, right? As we keep going through the scriptures, we'll see these amazing men and women of the faith reveal that they are flawed and that that they are sinners, and here we learned, uh, just as we learned from Adam and in Noah earlier in the book of Genesis, we learned that where there is failure, there is opportunity for grace to abound. You know that? I thank God that this doesn't end with Abram's failure. A- Abram's story doesn't end right here with his failure. It's an opportunity for grace to abound. Remember back to the last chapter, the vow God had made, the contract that he had made with Abram it now becomes very important and very significant. You see, last chapter, we saw God make this covenant when they cut animals in half, laid them on either side. And the way this was supposed to work was that both parties were to walk through these dead animals stating that if either party breached the contract, blood would be required of them. Just as the animals shed their blood, their blood would be required of them. And of course, as we read that chapter, we know only God passed through. Abram didn't pass through. So in a way, God was saying that even if Abram breached his end of the contract, God would shed his blood to make up for it. And that's exactly what God had done on the cross of Jesus Christ. See, at the cross, when the blood of God pooled on the ground, God was fulfilling his vow to shed his own blood for the shortcomings of Abram. And he did that. But guess what? He did not only shed his blood for the shortcomings of Abram, but he did it for you as well. He's atoned every, every sin that exists so that whoever would come to Him and receive Him would be forgiven. God has taken care of it. And so I want to tell you guys, if you're in a chapter of failure right now in your life, know that there's more than a chapter 15 for you where there was a promise. There is a, there is a cross where God shed His blood in order that you could be forgiven. You need to understand that. God does not take... Sin lightly, and he doesn't take forgiveness lightly either. He paid dearly for it. And God's promise for forgiveness, as I said, is not exclusively for Abram or your Christian neighbor who acts so nice every day, but it's it's for you. And God is extending to you this invitation tonight. He's inviting you personally to receive this forgiveness tonight if you never have. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. So if you guys stand with me, let's pray together. And Father, we, we just acknowledge, God, our own propensity to strive, to get ahead of You, to become impatient, or to function outside of faith and to function in the flesh. Even make provisions for the flesh, God. Look for opportunities. Forgive us for these things, God. May we truly repent of these things tonight, Lord God. May we pull back on the throttle. May we wait on you, God. May you speak to us. May you calm the hearts of the men and women standing here before me as so much angst is represented in the room tonight. Uh, Angst about life decisions, who they should uh, pursue, what careers they should pursue, what whether they should go to college or not, whether they should accept jobs or what, what, what are they going to do in the next five years of their life? Lord, it can be so daunting. It could be such a temptation to want to just take control and get ahead of you, God. May we learn to wait upon you, God. May we calm our hearts before you this moment and allow tonight to catapult us into a life of faith and trust So that as we leave here, we can be more sensitive to your leading and more patient in your call on our lives. Lord, help us to learn from this example tonight. Lord, and I thank you so much that as we do blow it, and probably will blow it in the future, God, there is forgiveness. There is a fountain of blood that washes our sins clean, afforded to us by the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And it it is not in vain, God. It is effective, It is thorough, and we can come to it tonight and receive forgiveness. So I want to pray for everyone who's never received this before, Lord, that they would have the courage to take the next step, that they would have the desire to be forgiven of their sins, that they would have the wisdom, God, to know that they cannot control their lives and continue down this path because they're wrecking things. And if that's you, if if you're feeling this tonight, if you're in here in this room or you're listening on Facebook or you're listening to the podcast down the road and you realize you've made a royal mess of your life and you've been taking the bull by the horns and the, the bull is just kicking your butt and you need help. God is drawing you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ right now. Don't ignore the tugging on your heart. Allow God to do a work in you now. Open your heart, open your mind to faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that He loves you, He cares for you, and He has so much more for you than what you think you have for yourself. And if you would like to receive that tonight, simply just raise your hand. Allow the work of faith in your heart to impact your body and raise your hand up. And if you're listening, just receive Him now. You raise up your hand. God bless you. Yeah. Awesome. The Bible says that as many as would receive the Lord Jesus, He he gives us the right to become children of God. You can change your eternal address from hell, eternal condemnation, to eternal life, where there is abundant joy, pleasures flowing from the right hand of God forevermore. You can change that tonight. One more chance. All right, well, if you've received the Lord tonight, uh, I want to lead you in a prayer. Again, this prayer doesn't save you, but it's a roadmap to allow your heart to communicate what a saved heart would communicate to the Lord. You repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned. And I know my sin separates me from You. It takes me outside Your will. And so I invite You into my life. I choose the life of faith. I turn away from striving so that I could live for you in the name of Jesus. Amen.